If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character. What a crusade of a law. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the next special live episode of the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal. And I'm Jewel. So normally the show's live, but it's extra special because we're on time, like yeah. really on time. We're so on time, we're early. Uh, so listen, Joe Quesada left Marvel, so we're going to talk about it. That's it. That's the show. The show is Joe Quesada left Marvel for reasons unknown, but we'll talk about that. We're going to read his uh, statement, mm-hmm. and then we're going to look back in his career, good and bad, pitfalls and possibilities, and uh, the perils and the promise, and mm-hmm. see what uh, what's, you know, what the legacy is for 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 good old Joey DeCue. Indeed. He had a long-ass career. He was in comics for, like, what, over 20-plus years? Over 20 years, certainly, at least. Uh, and not only that, we are also going to be treated to a couple of emails that he and I exchanged back in the day. Oh, ooh, an extra special little treat. Why not? I, I looked him up. I was like, how? Because I've had my email address since Gmail started. So uh, I haven't deleted anything. One of the big... Uh, tenants of gmail when they first launched gmail was never delete an email yes i remember so, that now, now let me ask you this about casada's email is it an aol email because i have done business with someone that he was partners with back in the day and that guy had an aol email it, it was an aol yes it was an aol email <laughs> um, again you want to know how long this guy has been in the business for he got an aol email when it was new yeah Mm-hmm. and kept it because you're not going to get rid of your email it's your email no i i no trust me i think uh actually co-host of our channel ben his father still uses an aol email address right on. Uh, even though he has no aol account love it <laughs> so uh yeah we're gonna jump into it uh we're of course gonna be sponsored by viewers like you if you're watching the show live you can ask a question or comment read it here on the show and uh so you'll be part of the show forever and those proceeds will go towards the infrastructure that allows this show to continue and uh it allows us to try new and interesting stuff um that that's coming down the pipeline uh i also i don't i don't i'll probably do this again later because i keep reiterating it but may 6th was the one year anniversary of this channel's existence nice uh a, a little over about a month over a year ago uh tiffany and i had an internal discussion about the direction of comic pop and what we were going to do and how we we're going to make it work because uh the main channel was being hurt by the youtube algorithm uh, youtube you. algorithm you know we had one big show and then we had a bunch of other shows and youtube was like well, if people are watching that show but not these shows, then your channel's a failure. Sorry, mm-hmm. and then they just 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 pound down the rest of the shows. And so we thought, well, let's just move them to another channel under the behest and suggestion of Benny the Comic Historian, who was like, "I'm making channels left and right. Why don't you make mm-hmm. another channel?" So we made another channel, this channel, which uh, one of the things about those old shows, the shows that are here on this channel, is that the same audience came to watch them. Like it was always a consistent audience that came to watch off the rack, Elseworlds Exchange, Good, right, Bad, right. and Ugly, etc. And so when we created the new channel, that audience legitimately just came here and watched it and never left. And it was like, oh, then yes, this was the right thing to do. Because well, now it's good. Every video is a success. Every video works. And every everybody likes what we make. Uh, occasionally, some interviews don't do as well as others, which is a shame, but it's the nature of interviewing. Yeah, that, that um, is the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Not everyone loves to see how the sausage gets made, apparently. No, they don't. And not for, like, any other reason than just, like, they're conditioned to not find it as engaging or as interesting. I Which guess. is why I keep insisting on it. I'm like, no, we're we're making this. This is cool. Trust yeah. me. Oh, I hear you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but, yeah, before we jump into it, uh, Josh Wallabaugh says, currently driving solo from Orlando to New York binging comic pop content really looking forward to this one thanks for keeping me awake well Damn, Josh, that's a trip that is a trip and i hopefully we will not uh deplete your data plan yeah but thank you for watching uh and good luck on your trip ray far gotta admit casada is the only marvel editor that i remember the name of also tell tiffany that the evil dead game is great definitely worth streaming okay nice. i'm sure she will uh yeah that's that's true i can imagine well because joe casada has been with marvel for 20 years or had been 
for most people, he is the only editor-in-chief anybody knew. Yeah, I mean, he was indispensable. And also, too, talk about a guy who wore every hat you can wear in the comic industry. Writer, artist, inker. Did he do pencils, too? I want to say oh, he yeah, did big pencils, time. Too. No, yeah. he was a huge penciler. No, his his pencil work is what got him into the door at Marvel in the first place. So, yeah, he's literally done everything you can do. I think he worked in, like, shipping and receiving and everything. So he's done everything one can do in the comic industry over his tenure. This is very, this is very true. Uh, and not so, everyone does that. No, no, that's true. Uh, so on Twitter, uh, on May 31st, this is Joe Quesada's statement. He said, hey there, true believer. Got a sec. I have something I'd like to share with you. When I first jumped into the world of comics, my goal was to create my own character stories and universes. Then one day, Marvel made me an offer that changed the trajectory of my life. But lately, I found myself thinking more and more of my favorite stanza from T.S. Eliot's Little Gidding. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. That's why it's both exciting and bittersweet that after discussions with both my family and my family at Marvel, after two plus decades, has it really been that long, the time has come for me to move on. As you can imagine, my love for the company, its characters, and all my coworkers runs deep, zoom tight, but I have an exciting new chapter that's about to begin, so the time feels right. In August 2000, Marvel took a shot on me, entrusted me with the keys to the universe, and it's been my biggest supporter ever since. During that time, I've had the great fortune of st uh, to stand on the shoulders of giants, none broader than those of my predecessors and mentors, the best editorial team in the business, my coworker and family, and most talented creators on Earth who put their trust in me, especially in the early days when it looked like I was selling tickets on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for sharing your talents and pouring your heart and soul into the every project. It's been an honor working with you, and I hope we get to do it all again. Now, this doesn't mean you're getting rid of me that easily. I won't mm -hmm. ever be too far away cheering my Marvel family on and contributing from time to time including something I'm thrilled about for later this year. Oh. I also have severely several insanely cool projects of my own that you'll be hearing about in the coming months, including a short indie film I'm writing and directing. Oh. Stay tuned. Uh, it's been one hell of a ride, and I'm proud to have been a part of Marvel's rags to riches story and satisfied that I accomplished the job I was hired to do 22 years ago. Seriously, where did all the time go? But none of this happens without one very important person, you. My family and I would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Without your love and support, we wouldn't be able to go on this crazy adventure, and I hope you join us for our next one. I promise you it's going to be amazing. See you in the funny books, Quesada. <clears throat> what, what a sweet message filled with humor it's, ve it's very much like reading one of his books isn't it's it? true yes very, very joe quesada very positive uh alluding to the future a lot of uh indications about what he's gonna do clearly got the bug wants to create it he wants to create for himself maybe he got contacted by Substack. that's all projects, we have say. no idea but um also suggests like i'm not going to be far from marvel that's something that a lot of executives at companies say that they're not going to do but then eventually leave Mm. I know that Joe Quesada has no love for DC, so I wouldn't expect to see any Quesada drawings of Batman anytime soon. No, um, yeah. But uh, but he's also writing and directing an indie film, which I think is really cool. Good for him. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I know that he has been there since before. You know, like he was there during when Marvel Studios was first created. Yeah. Uh, even before the movie side, when they were making like Nick Fury movies and when they were making animated projects and direct to DVD, hell, uh, digital the motion comics on discs. Uh, he in was the there for all days, of days in the exactly. all or nothing days. <laughs> Damn right. So uh, he has seen how to make movies. So I think he's actually probably not going to make a halfway bad movie. Like I think good for him. I hope it works out. I can't wait to see it. Um, I hope he's not leaving to make NFT comics. Yes, please, for the love that. of God. Yeah, I really hope someone didn't dangle a bunch of money in front of him and, you know, promise him the, you know, the world of crypto because we saw that happen with the Dio already. And then oh the next God. day, crypto crashed for like the biggest crash ever. Now, wouldn't it be... Wouldn't it be fascinating to see Casada and Dio working side by side on something comic? Oh, 100%. I, I would love to see it. Yeah. Oh, man. I just I just had this thought. And I'm like, no, no. Because it'd be like, hey, you know, if, if Valiant were smart, yeah. they could call up one of these guys. Man, and, I'm, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned Valiant because that's where he got his start, actually, as a young Joe Casada at the early days of Valiant. Wouldn't that be a whole career coming full circle? Seriously. So, but because we are going to talk about his his life and career, um, and it, it Valiant is not far behind it. Uh, but yeah, good for him. Congratulations to Joe uh, yeah. on his next venture. 
honestly, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see him planning on leaving. And uh, we'll talk no. more about like the rumors and the, the some of the ideas behind it. Because, um, yeah, he seemed like one of those guys who was just going to work there forever until he died. In fact, I'm not going to lie. When I saw Joe Quesada trending on Twitter, I'm like, oh, no, he passed away. Right, right. No. Was my first thought. <laughs> yeah. Because that uh, seemed more logical to me that he would pass away before he ever left Marvel. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'd be shocked to see him like i don't know get the bug and want to make his own comics again because yeah. you know kind of like not unlike um not unlike uh oh, i can't remember his name oh well it doesn't matter well so anyway moving on uh mm-hmm. so yeah jumping into joe Casada's career obviously you know people know him now as an executive as a former editor-in-chief as a idea <laughs> man for marvel mm-hmm. but in the beginning he was an artist, writer, and editor, yeah. and uh, he was he was mostly an artist on books like Ninjak, Solar, Man of the Atom, yep. uh, and eventually drew uh, one of the most eye-catching versions of Batman since Norm Brayfogle for me, Indeed. which was, of course, in Batman's Sword of Asriel. Yep, very cool. Uh, his pencil work was nuts, and still is today. It's exactly the same, which is actually why it's kind of funny when you see it, like when he did uh, Omit. Yes. He drew that sequel to one more day and i was like man like and i, I for me growing up seeing joe Quesada's work i was like this is really cool but my wife who got into comics much later on in life who is an artist in her own right and as mm. a, a student of like art and graphic art and traditional art she looks at this book and she's like this is very dated this looks like a very <laughs> old book and i'm like uh, what no it's cutting edge that's the coolest looking thing that 1993 has to offer. <laughs> and and he actually went to school, too. He wasn't self-taught like a lot of the uh, 90s guys were. That's I, I did not realize that. That's That shows because his anatomy, while uh, his anatomy is interpretive, but it is still consistent. Mm. You know, it doesn't run into those problems that you see with some of his contemporaries. Uh Joe Quesada is also one of those characters that I'm like surprised he didn't get scooped up during the image revolution. Likewise. Right. Um, you know what? I'm going to share some art of his right now just to kind yes, of like, please do. just, just to get that going. Um, but yeah, so he did that. Um, he also wrote, he also drew X factor and then uh, formed his own company. Uh, which actually shows like that he has the experience to do that. Uh, he Indeed. and uh, I believe it's Jimmy Palmiotti worked together to create event comics. Yes, with their big hero, Ash, the firefighting superhero. <laughs> which, by the way, like you have to understand the tumult and the like ridiculousness of the of, of the the media landscape of the time. They were talking about making movies out of everything. Much like, like today, where they're talking about making streaming series out of everything, right? Like, but I'm saying, like, they were, they, there were, there was discussions. Obviously, Spawn, Wildcats, and mm-hmm. almost Youngblood, Savage Dragon, The Max, all the image, all a lot of the image books got animated series. Gen sure thirteen did. got a direct DVD animated movie that nobody ever saw, <laughs> uh, and except for me, which. Ugh. But uh, and by the way, I think Disney owns that. So it's like, oh. you'll never see it. Yeah. <laughs> we put it in the Disney vault next to Walt's head. Yeah, under Walt's head. It keeps <laughs> it level. But uh, yeah, um, but we expected stuff like The Tick, Big Guy and Rusty, The Phantom. Yeah. We got cartoons and movies out of everything. People were expecting movies out of Scuthy, Disposable Assassin, Concrete. Ash was not too far behind in the no, line. No, not at all. Uh, and now we're in a place where, yeah, I mean, like, I could think of dumber ideas. If Peacemaker Ash, can be an robot. O- yeah, if Peacemaker can be an overnight success on one of these streaming services. Exactly. Uh, but in 1998, uh, Casado was brought in um, to become editor of Marvel Knights, of the uh, Marvel Knights line. Um, two short years later, he became editor-in-chief. And... Uh, then 10 years later became chief creative officer of Marvel. A meteoric and, rise, you could say. Yeah, but that's the thing is 10 years later, he went from editor-in-chief to chief creative officer and, uh, and then retitled in 2011 
uh, to be executive vice president and creative director in 2019. I'm going to make him my executive vice president. <laughs> what a made up title that is. <laughs> but creative director was the title. And that's the thing that I couldn't remember the name of for forever. I was like, what is Casada again? He's something. And it was like, but he wasn't an editor. And it was like, no, he's creative director. Mm. And with that, I think I, uh, that that's a made up title. And I genuinely believe that that title means he's more, he was more or less the executive executive. Yeah. Like or executive editor in chief, you know, like Sabolsky's editor in chief, but Joe Quesada's creative director. And I think that's like a little higher. The buck stops with me. It's funny. Uh, Sabluski actually gave like a really good interview talking about this. And the only reason he became editor in chief was because he was spurred on by Casada himself. What do you mean? Like, like Casada encouraged him? Yeah, encouraged him to be like, yeah, you could do this. You could do what I do. OK, that's nice. It is nice, isn't it? Where it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm taking care of the next generation, you know, of this gig. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Casada's journey, the to relevance for the audience because anybody knows him now as the Marvel guy is 1998 into 2000 um, Marvel uh, Marvel Knights. Uh, yep. In 1998, the same exact time that Joe Cazada's brought in uh, Marvel file for chapter 11. One of the darkest moments in their history. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it was a dark, it was a dark time for comics in general too. Oh because yeah. It was like DC sales were in the toilet. Speculator uh, bubble. Speculator bubble crashed. burst comic book stores are closing it was a rough time and you know the audience i don't think the audience at large really knew how bad it looked but i know the people who worked there at the time and worked around that in, the, in that sphere they were like i think it's going to i, I think we're going to lose these characters like these yeah. characters are going to be split up and sent to the four winds and sold like, off by corporate raiders right like comics are not going to be what they what they are and it's only thanks to a few stewards of the big two in the world of corporate comics, we still have like cohesive universes. Yeah. People who actually cared and give a shit. I know, you know, it's really easy to rag on corporate culture and everything, you know, for being greedy and stupid. And it is. But again, there are one or two genuine fans there who are like, no, you you can't break this up. This is important to me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Brian T. Baller says, uh, hope you had a great birthday, Sal. Thank you very much. I had my birthday on the first. Uh, Joel, hey. loving your Young Justice videos. Thank you. I'm really proud of those. And they're like the biggest thing on my channel for a couple months out of the year. I get to feel like a big time YouTuber. <laughs> Radical Raj, been a while since I've been able to see one of these live. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. Wonder what kind of shifts would come from this. No one's more curious than I am about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scarlet Hottie, end of an era. Also, Joel, great outfit. I think we can make you an honorary Sicilian. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, this is my summer fit. <laughs> nice. Cosmic Reader, I doubt things will change anytime soon. Well, there you go. You got two very different uh, schools of thought on the subject. I mean, uh, change always takes time, too, is the thing. Nothing happens overnight. A sea change takes a while. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be too quick to celebrate Casada's leaving Marvel. Mm -hmm. Not that I am against it. But I, I, without having all the pieces, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who just like hears news and then immediately tries to react to it. I mean, I, yeah. Some sometimes I can help myself. I am a human being, but in this case, it's like I know that some things I wanted to see were held back by Casada. Indeed. I also know that on the flip side, on the other side of the street, Didio did similar moves mm -hmm. but also was one of the only comic book guys yeah at any executive level who was able to hold things together love him or hate him he knew his shit and he was like you believe it or not <laughs> yeah and i wonder if it was better having a comic book guy as a creative director of marvel i mean like feige is technically chief creative something he's chief chief creative guy yeah cre chief creative guy of marvel comics and i'm like i bet he's never been in the office i like comics right be his thing i like him no i like him like keep yeah. it going you know yeah. like okay but uh but i wonder how much is going to change 
uh what's uh what's that uh, what's that old saying there you know the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know exactly exactly all that like or the mephisto in this case (laughs) this is true yeah because there is no i guess there is a devil but like (laughs) yeah uh matthew terlaga rumors have been swirling on the forums (laughs) that he didn't leave of his own accord that he was fired and that the last straw was the upcoming moira mj debacle and that he is the new avi arad and now marvel has no choice but to clean up the mess he left i i find that highly suspect again where it's like why this one why was this the last straw in a career of last straw right like the the you might not like anything that's going on with moira x yeah i sure don't but i'm i can't imagine that the hate or rage or dissatisfaction in any way compares to the reaction of the one more day debacle. Yes. In its heyday, that is wh- whose blame is laying solely at Joe Casada's feet. Even though I think as time has shown us, he was really just a good company man who fell on the sword. Yeah, he probably didn't like it. He fielded all the questions for it, but hey, they didn't change it in all that time and they had chances, meaning he yeah. wasn't the only one who had a problem with it. He was just the guy who was vocal about it. Well, a lot of creators used to complain about the marriage and they I sure know that did. internally Joe Quesada believed that the marriage was antithetical to Spider-Man. He had a lot yeah. of theories about Spider-Man. Well, indeed. Well, I, and I know this for a fact because he and I shared words and I'll share some of those words it, later. It's on also how show. you know he's a comic fan, too. Yeah, he has his own headcanon and feels strongly about things like you do. That's right. Exactly. But uh, no, I don't think that they're comparing him to Aviar. Uh, Dr. J, spam the spider marriage. Button. <laughs> Listen, the time for the. If only Spencer could have held on. I know, right? He might have. It might have been. It might have all been different. Yeah. Shady Sam, Joe is very polarizing to me. I'm sure for a lot of people as well. Dynamic poses, weird of weird as weird a weird AF anatomy faces. Killed Peter and MJ and burned bridges with DC, but oversaw a lot of Marvel Knights. One of my favorite periods of Marvel publishing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The thing is, yes, he loved the idea of direct, mean spirited. Com- uh, competition between him and D- between Marvel and DC. Just like a real nerd too. Nah, again, my thing's better than your thing. Yeah. And then said really, really like off color, inappropriate shit to make sure it happened. And Paul yeah. Levitz was the president at the time and he, or editor in chief, and he uh, took it really personally and said, as long as Joe Quesada is working at Marvel, I will never authorize any crossovers. P- Paul Levitz, who, by the way, was like an old man, even by that point with a salt and pepper mustache. He'd yeah. be like, you have offended me, sir. Right. And it's like, yeah. And he, and the thing is, he hasn't worked there for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, people, people who are, who are like, oh my God, Joe left. Now we can have Marvel DC crossovers. I'm like, no, 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 no. The guy who said there'd never be any crossovers was the guy at DC. Yeah. But Joe also believed that Marvel crossovers uh, were, he used to say out loud, who knows if he believed them, but he used to say that um, it meant they were out of ideas, that they were. Famously with the ultimate universe, if the ultimate universe ever crosses over with the main Marvel universe, we're officially out of ideas. Well, it's happened several times since then. Yes, it has. And they were good. Like I dug them. So eh, it turns out those ideas were actually not half bad, but uh, you could tell from, the, the 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 real writing on the wall with the crossovers was Infinity Warps. Yep. Infinity Warps was man, amalgam is trending. Can we do amalgam but internally? Without having to, you know, work with anyone or say it's we're like, sorry. <laughs> what? The, I don't even think they'd have to say they're sorry. That's the thing, is that these guys know that if they set a precedent, they might have to say they're sorry themselves. <laughs> so, like, I guarantee you. Part of it would never have to be to apologize for their negative behavior or their, or their words from 20 years ago. But uh, I also believe that there was like that, that Casada was as a nerd and as a comic book guy. He also, I think, was like, no, like the if we acknowledge that DC has any value. Mm-hmm. we inflate their value using our own value and yes, it's like it cheapens that, us it cheapens us and i'm like i don't i don't think that's true and i know that's not true because and i don't know if this is the right time to talk about it but there was a uh i was reading a thing the other day um regarding ah that's what it was in 1989 
when the Batman movie came out, mm-hmm. uh, they launched Legends of the Dark Knight, and they were launching a bunch of shit to like sell Batman books. And right. the reason why anyone thinks that a movie gets people to buy comic books is because of the Batman movie. Right. In 1989, that thing actually happened. And it's like one of those things that I think culturally they were like, well, if it happens once, you know, shame on me. But if it happens twice, or if it happens, if it happens to like once, shame on you. If it happens twice, shame on me. Where the audience was like, people went from the movies to the comic book stores, mm. which was a relatively new direct market thing anyway. Yes. And bought these comics that were made specifically for the new audience that showed up and inflated sales. But Marvel had this belief. And it was a belief that was just kind of like standard. Batman helps everybody. Right. Batman sales. Cause I think that was, Oh, that's right. It was because of, um, it was a hell. It was a long held belief that started with 89, which was the new customers that came to stores because of Batman, they all went in there to buy Batman hmm. and they would buy. And it's like a, it's like a firsthand story from one of the editors. Uh, they would buy one Batman comic and four Marvel comics. Mm, interesting. So it's like Marvel acknowledges that Batman is a necessary evil that we must all accept and tolerate. <laughs> and it helps that Marvel was really happening in the 90s, too. They had the Rex, man. They had the <laughs> biggest, shiniest covers from the biggest, shiniest artists. Yeah, well, it didn't hurt. Yeah, that the art was just so eye-catching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Marvel basically owed owed a big boom in sales and in cultural relevance in the like late 80s early 90s i like that uh, uh, a a bat tide raises Raises all ships ships. (laughs) exactly uh so joe casada comes in and is asked is is um asked to help as kind of a more executive in a more executive kind of like level you know like Mm -hmm. help us out Get some of your friends. Save us, Joe Casada. You're our us. only hope. What 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 can we do here? And he and his pals put together Marvel Knights. Marvel Knights is the thing everyone says. Well, you know, like him, or, like him or hate him. You gotta admit, Marvel Knights is awesome. Let's make it more self-contained. Let's make it a little bit more adult. Let us get some Hollywood talent and muscle behind us. Exactly. Bring and this is this is the this is the revolution that brings in people like bendis and mac and oming and ennis and like and and kevin smith and changes stuff for years to come arguably yeah it is i believe this move that secures him the editor-in-chief job because back in the day at marvel the executive the the editor-in-chief job was always up for grabs like people like mark ruinwald and Mm -hmm. shooter and you know just if you wanted the job you're pretty guaranteed to get it. Mm-hmm. But uh, with this, you had to earn it. And it was a time when, like, it, it was it was a bad time. And they were like, yeah. well, you seem to know. You seem to know what you're doing. Do you want to captain the sinking ship? Exactly. Uh, but it's not quite sinking because Marvel Knights helped out a lot. Uh, so he came in. Um, we Bob don't know Harris, what you're doing, but keep doing it. <laughs> Bob Harris, of course, was the editor-in-chief of Marvel before yes. that. Left, went to D.C., and would stay there for the rest of his career until kind of getting ousted in the last couple of years. Exactly. They bring in Bill Jemis to be the president. Uh, and again, Bill Jemis had his own, like Bill Jemis is one of those people who is like a, a pretty good executive mm-hmm. who thinks he's creative. <laughs> and, but, you, but you need a good executive. Yeah. And he, you know, like, again, one of those things where it's like, you need to have one of those things. Um, Casada knew from the culture of Marvel that like he had to be public. He had to put out like, and he had to have a personality and, and he sure needed, did. And, and he did, but he also, he, he would make proclamations. And yeah, one of those yeah, things was obviously DC sucks. But the other one was like, was dead means dead at Marvel again. Yeah, if they yeah. die, they better have a damn good reason to die. And they better have a damn good reason to stay in the ground. And they're not coming back. Obviously everyone made fun of it. I remember them making fun of it when it happened, but I do admire the balls to, to, to stand in front of the comic book reading audience. Yes, and tell them and this. say that out loud as the executive, uh, as the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. It, it certainly gets people writing about you. And he uh, was actually like a guy who really embraced early internet culture in a way that no editor had really done before. He wrote his own thing. What was it like? Cup of Com- Joe. 
Yeah, Cup of Joe. He wrote Cup of Joe for years. He had his own little internet thing that you could read. It was like what was in the back of the comic, but it was on the computer. That's right. That's right. Well, and he also like he was. Yeah, he knew at the very least that he needed to embrace technology, and because uh, he was a lot younger than a lot of the other editor in chiefs. <laughs> this is true. Uh, this uh, th- this this work with Jemis allowed for the ultimate line to be uh, brought in. I know that for the most part, people give Joe the most credit for the cultivation yeah. of the ultimate line. Um, he also brought in uh, the Max line yeah. and the Epic line, which didn't go anywhere but whatever <laughs> no, you know you, no one ever thinks of the epic line yeah uh, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take you know hey, I mean? you know, it's, hey they, they, they can't all be winners you know exactly uh yeah um and that one-two punch of like the 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 max line and more importantly the garth ennis punisher you know cultural relevance of the max line um combined with the ultimate line what, what a magical that, time to be reading comics. Yeah, plus Marvel Knights. I think all of that just cemented, like, okay, well, Joe's never leaving. Like, just, okay, well, no, you if you ever leave, it's because you choose to leave. Because uh, of, of these things, we can lay at your feet and say, you made this happen. It's true. And, you know, it's like so many of our younger viewers out there, it's hard to explain when you weren't there. Marvel going from their absolute lowest to coming back to, you know, strength after strength, just, you know, punch after punch of, like, goddamn, that was good. This is great. You're playing with the genre. You're playing with imprints and what that can mean. Man, I'm so excited about Marvel now and its direction. Oh, yeah. Joe also was integral in the reliance. And this is another one of those like like him or hate him kind of situations. But like on the collected stories. On oh, trade yes. A, a major pusher of the trades, which, again, yeah. some people would argue like eh, some of these stories don't need to be written for trades. Why is everything being written for a trade now? He was the godfather of that because he thought, you know, like this is this is where it needs to be. This is the future. And other people are like, well, you're kind of, you know, created the concept of trade waiting and you're undercutting, you know, weekly comic book sales that we need. Yeah. Uh, But there is something to be said for the trade and the format and how that influence changed the way people write comic books today. I mean, like. How many stories do you read on a monthly basis where you're like, this could have been two issues. This could have been three issues. This is, yep. why is this six issues? Why is the story constant? Because you're writing for the trade, right? For the trade, that trade and that hardcover, you know, yes. and, and it's a hardcover. It's a trade paperback. It's a monthly series. Like it's an oversized hardcover. It's an absolute edition. Like look at all these ways we can get a same bite of the different, or a new bite of the same apple. And to Marvel's credit, they're always very good on that turnaround, aren't they? For like Spider-Man and all their big titles. Like, yep, here it is. We turned it around real quick for you. They do turn around, but then they don't keep them in print. And that's not Quesada's yeah. road to hoe, unfortunately. That's something else. That's another person at Marvel that hasn't left yet, who uh, who is entirely to blame for the fact that like these epic or these uh, these epic collections, mm-hmm. these are a great idea. They're really nice printing. They're out and they're, they're affordable. And then they're out of print. Mm-hmm. Like, what what's the point? And then you make a movie, and then you have this epic collection, but it's gone, and it's one hundred sixty five dollars on you on Amazon. And exactly. Like, what every time? This thing is a thirty dollar book. Why is it one hundred sixty seven dollars? Well, because that print, and we never know it'll be if it'll be back in print. Supply and demand, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst of it, and here I'll say this on the show because it's worth repeating because I think I said it before, but um, there's a reason Marvel doesn't reprint trades and doesn't keep things in print like you look at dc and their 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 uh approach to book publishing Mm. how every character has a trade or has a hardcover a book on the shelf any character at least one you know but there are books that are like never out of print and you know there's the alan moore conspiracy of like well obviously otherwise we'll lose it but like you know there's the fact is those watchman books always sell out yep like it's not every, just... every bookstore, every hot topic, every Barnes and Noble, they'll have a couple. Yeah, they'll have a couple. They'll sell them. They'll reorder them. Um, th- th- there's an official line at Marvel where apparently they believe that they don't want to have stock. Like mm. you print a bunch of books, you make those available. I don't want warehouses full of that stock. And I understand right. the motivation for that <laughs> in a way because 
the people at the top who have that fear and problem were around during the bankruptcy era. Mm. So I, I get the kind of reticence to to allow for unsold shit to just sit in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah, you, you, you young folks don't know what it's like. You weren't there, man, when we couldn't yeah. move any of this. This shit keeps me up at night. Exactly, but you just send it to Amazon and let it rot in their warehouses. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Bookstores, comic shops, Amazon. Like, it, 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 it will sell. But the way that Marvel creator royalties works is... It is not based on units sold. It's on stock. Mm. It's on how much you have printed. So they don't reprint trades and books on a regular basis because then we'd have to pay royalties to the creators. Yeah, which we don't want to do. That sucks. And that's exactly that. That is the chief reason why. Because they're like, well, we'd lose however much in royalties if we because of the arrangement we have because they've always had that arrangement yeah they set up that 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 royalties payment system for unsold stock just so they can make sure there's never any unsold oh anyway it's infuriating isn't it (laughs) yeah uh i i can't and by the way that's not that's not casada that's just that's just you know that's just the corporate culture of the place that no one has decided to shake up yet exactly yeah no that cup of joe article or uh column that joe used to do for a long time very long where he'd do a q a on fridays was uh was it comic book resources was it cbr uh a thing that cbr should probably keep doing yeah like quiet quietly revolutionary i would call it oh i agree and it was such a smart idea and it's it i marvel and dc are guilty of this and especially marvel where they go well why are we doing that why 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 wouldn't do another ourselves mm. marvel very much i'm sure after a while was like why are we printing with cbr like why are we working with another company yeah when we could just have it on the website yeah um but yeah that's that's marvel corporate for you uh but yeah uh joe of course being a new yorker um, loves the Mets. Loves the Mets. Really pushed for the the nine eleven uh, memorial issues and stuff. And yes, he uh, did. Which which seem a little cheesy now, but again, when you were there back in the day, it felt like a very nice thing to give back to New York for a company whose characters all call New York home. And the, the company itself was born there. Yeah. I uh, I remember it. I can tell you. You know, is Doctor Doom crying over the twin towers falling? Silly looking. Yeah, when it happened, you don't think about it. No, the, again, the more powerful images are Spider-Man standing before the wreckage. And, yes, and 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 making it real. I, that's it was it was relevant. It, the, it the felt thing I remember, different to be there. Yeah, the thing I remember better was the um, the uh, the the heroes book yes. about like firefighters and uh, yeah. first responders. Yeah, yeah, um, that was pretty dope. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, getting back into a couple of uh, a couple of our super chatters. Because a lot of people have a lot to say about Joe Casada, and that's Indeed. something that speaks to the his his savvy as a uh, as an executive who needed to create a brand of himself. Um, was Ray Farr who says my favorite memory of Joe is seeing him in Disney commercials, teaching kids how to draw, and looking Aww. like he want to be anywhere else. <laughs> Seems like a cool guy. I don't know. I've never seen that. That's cool. No, I gotta track that down. That looks fun. Yeah. Uh, Radical Radish. Any man who promises and delivers Marvel apes can't be bad for comics. <laughs> I was there. I was there. <laughs> I remember, I was, I was at New York Comic Con. It was a. Uh, it was one of the first, if not the first one. Um, I was getting back into Marvel, and I remember it was a very sparsely attended panel. Huge room, huge hall. Maybe like fifty people across like thou- uh, hundreds of seats. Mm-hmm. Joe's up there by himself at the lectern and uh, open the floor to questions early. And uh, one one dude, this just this, this skinny dude just goes, Marvel apes. <laughs> That's what he says. He just goes, Marvel apes. And Joe's like, Marvel apes. <laughs> that is happening. Mark my words. That is such a good idea. More questions came up. He kept going back, going like, God, Marvel apes, though. We, we struck gold. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I remember thinking it was a joke. And I was like, this is a really long-running joke that he's telling. 
And then sure enough, like less, like less than a year later, maybe more <laughs> Marvel apes. And I'm like, there it is. I want to start work on that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lee Allen, two questions. Is a DC Marvel crossover any more possible with Joe's departure? Do either of you think more episodic stories that take up fewer issues can succeed? Yeah, absolutely. I do think that the episodic thing. Yeah, I think they can succeed. And they do for they certain do. books. Exactly. Not everyone does it. In fact, I often say the one and done comic is kind of a dying art form now. So when someone proves they can do it, it's like, oh, wow, that was that that, that was just a couple pages. And I felt like I got a full story with a beginning, middle and end in there. Holy shit. Yeah. Who to thunk it? You you can still do it. Yeah. At least there, there are more years behind us where that was capable than there had been so far where no one's been doing it. And I truly wonder, you know, like of the new crop of writers, like, well, I don't know how to tell a story in anything less than six issues now, because that's literally what we've been trained and brought up on. You got to tell your story in six issues. This is very true. Uh, As for DC Marvel, uh, I want to do a whole show about it because I really want to put it out into the zeitgeist. Like, I want this to happen. But I think with the departure of Joe, it's probably more possible I think with the advent of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, we have proof, like celluloid proof, that a DC Marvel crossover can happen if the right talent is behind it. Apparently Akiva Goldsmith has just the magic touch we didn't know about. The Lonely Island held the keys to this all this time. I genuinely do believe. No, I think, I think, here's the thing. I think that uh, the Lonely Island said to disney like we want to do this batman versus et joke mm-hmm. disney said "Ugh, do you have to make it batman <laughs> and they said yeah we really want to be batman and they went all right we'll ask you know and they went and they asked and they said sure who cares and then they did it and it's like i i genuinely do believe that in this day and age because like i, I was just watching uh J- zadarsky and snyder were having their own show they were talking to each other and uh zadarsky said you know he's the writer on batman right now he was invited to the marvel summit anyway huh and then he's like, what? I genuinely believe. I mean, it helps that he's also killing it with Daredevil right now for them, too. I'm sure it helps. It's like, well, he can make money for both of us. Exactly. Well, and it's Batman. Yeah. So for me, I genuinely believe that if someone like a Zadarsky or a Snyder or a King said to whoever they're working for, like whichever publisher they're under the thumb of at the time, right? I really want to do this thing. I really want to do batman spider-man i really want to do you know batman beyond spider-man 2099 like i really want to see this book um they go eh, you know, they'd ham they'd haw and they go i i really want to do it i think it'll make a lot of money but just like not even that just i'm the creator you want to keep me happy this would make me happy yeah i think that's all it would take Maybe everyone's just been too afraid to ask all these years. That's the thing, right? Like that, and that's the culture that has been cultivated thanks to uh, Joe's grandstanding and, yeah. uh, and and DC's reticence to do it. But DC's, of course, always more willing to do, to do, to play in the other sandbox because you've seen their crossovers. Marvel's had no crossovers. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll but, cross uh, over with Ninja Turtles. We'll cross over with Conan and Power Rangers. We don't give a shit. No, we don't give a crap. I mean, like they haven't lately, but they still have. Uh, especially more recently than Marvel. But uh, but I think that the other problem is the audience. Right. I think that the audience has been cultivated and beaten down to sabotage themselves. I think Indeed. that because every time, any time you say, oh man, it'd be cool if they did that. Nope. It's always self-sabotage. Yeah. And it's never from the company. It's always in the audience. The audience goes, nope, nope, yeah, never that, do that'll it. That'll never happen. Mouse won't let it happen. Never. I'm like, oh yeah? Because Batman's in a Disney movie. Because the My Little sure Ponies is. are in a Disney movie. Because ugly sonic is in a disney movie a bunch of netflix characters are in that too in the background in case you right? didn't know like, yeah yeah no the ghostbusters are in that disney movie like come on shrek is in there for a second yeah uh, l- lest i forget lest you forget that a billion dollar movie was made by a competitor to disney through disney yeah uh, Tevia says, uh, with Casada gone, can OMD and Omit be retconned now? No, and they will never do it. <laughs> they ain't done it yet, so they're probably not going to do it, which means it probably wasn't just Casada. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Chirlaga, in your opinion, is there anyone working at Marvel now you'd like to see rise up and fill Joe's spot, be a writer or artist? See, now that's the interesting thing, is that mm-hmm. Joe made a really good... Po- and it, Joe, I think Joe graduated from the Stan Lee School of Art, or Stan Lee School of Brand Management. Yep. Where it's like, 
What other creators and movers and shakers or executives at Marvel do you know by name anymore? Right? Basically none. Like, like the first thing that came to mind, and it's only because he's a total Marvel zombie, and it's something I don't want, would be Dan Slott. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Again, it's like I wrote Spider-Man for over a decade. They adapted me for that video game. I created Spider-Gwen. That means I should be in charge of your company. Like, and I don't think he wants that job. I'm just saying, no, like, so that's the only name, and it's because Slot is a classic Marvel zombie who knows how to manage his brand. Like, I don't know anyone else. I mean, Brevoort would be great to be in charge of yeah. Marvel because he knows the business. But like, again, Tom is much more. I think Tom's very comfortable not having the spotlight. And not getting the like, not not getting inundated with bullshit, and not yeah, dealing with the like corporate sort of life of that. I mean, he's I think he's very happy just managing things from the back. Just just let me do my job and leave me alone, please. Exactly. But I think Brevoort would be great because he knows the business, and I I trust him. Like I trust Tom. He seems he, like a nice guy too. He doesn't fight with anyone. He seems no, genuinely okay. He fights. Yeah, he, I guess he, he fights. But he's but he's he's fair. Yeah. Uh, bland man i guess casada did find the light at the end of the tunnel whether it was uh heaven or the sea train only affleck <laughs> knows ha, ha, ha. that's right because uh that 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 yes uh in the ben affleck starring daredevil movie they named a rapist after joe <laughs> they sure did god damn joe man <laughs> come on <laughs> yay i'm in the movie oh no really oh no and then you got hit by a train yep <laughs> he's like whoa that's not me also, Casada uh, is uh, infamous, I think, for the uh, the the um, prematurely the, the premature removal of cigarettes in Marvel comics. Yeah, he was a big proponent of that, wasn't he? Characters his father those... died of uh, lung cancer, I believe, and or emphysema. Or... But uh, yeah, he was like, I don't want to glorify cigarette smoking anymore. So the thing, yeah. Wolverine, Nick Fury, all the cigars, all the cigarettes are gone. I know that. Uh, I think they had like a like a contest, like be editor in chief for the day. Mm-hmm. And like this is going back a long time, but I think the kid who won allowed for like a cigarette to be in one of the books or something. Like that. Uh, that was like man. their their big mark. But uh, if anything, I would. Okay, I hate cigarettes. I grew up around them. I'm Likewise. I'm a kid of the '80s. Everyone smoked cigarettes, especially people under the like. Everyone smoked cigarettes. I didn't yeah. smoke cigarettes because I because I was a product of the anti-smoking campaign. Likewise. You know, Captain Planet told me not to. So Shockingly, it works when all my cartoon characters told me not to start. <laughs> Hard to believe. But, uh, you know, I, I am anti-smoking. It looks cool. Yeah. I, I don't it's think it is cool. It's fun to draw. You can it's do fun. smoke rings and shit. It's fun to see in movies. It's fun to see in in comics. And I think that if you have the right people smoking, you can get away with it. I think Wolverine, who can't get emphysema, yeah smoking is fine the thing who's made of rocks yeah he's okay i like i like the image of ben Grimm with a stogie (laughs) he can do it he can just tell other people not to right he's like listen this is an addiction i have no control over this like (laughs) yeah really or or they could do you know they did this but they did a whole arc where mary jane smoked because she used to smoke as a teenager she didn't like she didn't this and uh because she was stress smoking yeah um i remember uh yeah, I, I think if, if there was a thing where it's like Ben Grimm's going through a hard time and so he starts smoking cigars again I, and it's I part like of his character, too. it'd be kind of neat. Yeah, Johnny being like, Jesus Christ, Ben, you haven't smoked in like, what, 20 years? Right? It's like, no, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> yeah, in universe, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Eckenberg, after one more day, I stopped reading comics entirely for several years and threw my entire comic collection in the garbage. <laughs> Even coming back to comics years later, I was never able to love comics that unconditional way again. Me too. Uh, not that not the same dramatic fashion, but uh, after one more day, because I was also plugged in, like I knew the the the, the goings on, I knew about Casada, I knew about JMS, and I knew their desires, and I knew how the industry worked a little bit, a little bit. Um, not enough to not email Joe Casada personally and <laughs> and probably get on a blacklist somewhere. So maybe I can work for Marvel again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, how about that. Maybe I can finally get there. But. Uh, Oh, could you imagine finding out that's true? Oh, yeah, your name was on a wall with like a bunch of other people. <laughs> we took the wall down when he left. There's no way that I was not on a wall. And I don't <laughs> mean that in a way where I'm like, I'm a mover and shaker. I mean, like, nope, that's a name I'll never forget. Get it off there. And you'll see why uh, later on. But uh, yeah, I had that issue 
And it was, it was a very strong, powerful lesson for me. I had it on my comic book. I had it on my dresser for a long time. And it was like, no story is strong enough to overwrite editorial mandate. Mm. That's it. Like, you can never feel comfortable reading a comic book. That's how I felt at the time. Because there was all, because there's always the threat of someone higher up not mm -hmm. liking that idea and then deliberately sabotaging it. That's a real creative equivalent of face it, Jake. It's Chinatown. That's right. That's right. That was my Chinatown. Yeah. Um, Gotham City Critics or Marvel Apes versus Marvel Zombies happened. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Cowboy, uh, is Marvel trying to make Luke Cage more relevant? God, Are I they? hope so. I mean, he is mayor at the end of that Daredevil oh, story. Yeah. They haven't announced a new book for him yet. In fact, they canceled a Hochi Anderson book that he was supposed to have because it was too similar to Devil's Reign. Right. Uh, I love what they're doing with Luke. Uh, I think that at this point, another thing under Joe's watch uh, is a thing they desperately need to bring back. And I think they need to bring it back in a meaningful way, not like when Donny Cates brought back Marvel Knights. Mm-hmm. Because somebody asked a while ago, they were like, what happened? Like, is there Marvel Knights? Could there be more Marvel Knights? And I'm like, there was a miniseries written by Donny Cates. Just wasn't very good, unfortunately. No one read. And those who did were like, meh. Because it wasn't really Marvel Knights. They used the name and basically nothing else. Well, the characters from Marvel Knights. Like, the characters yeah. who were reinvigorated by the labels. That's He was, like, doing a meta book about, like, it's Black Panther. It's Luke Cage. Mm. It's Daredevil. Like, these are the Marvel Knights. And Sentry. You know, like, and it's like, yeah, that wasn't enough. I, I normally love meta storytelling. That is one of the few where I'm like, this was too meta for its own good. Oh, yeah. You know what the problem was? The problem was Joe Quesada and company didn't believe in the idea. Shockingly. Like, yeah, Kate, I, I, I did this and I don't believe in this. No, Kate's was like, I like it's it's the 20 anniversary for Marvel Knights. And Joe's like, oh, is it like, huh? Yeah, no, it was that Kate's cared more than the people who created it in the first place. Funny, too, you mentioned Kate's. Kate's also loves the Ultimate Universe and keeps threatening to bring that back every chance he gets. So, man, talk about, you know, Casada casting a long shadow and inspiring the next generation. Kate's is like, I want to be the next Casada. I want to do exactly. Yeah, and, I, you know, the dude gets it. I, I would like to see the Ultimate Universe come back, uh, but the thing I'm really advocating for, New Avengers needs to come back. Yeah, yeah. Especially now that they can have the Fantastic Four again and they can have the X-Men again and everything. Yeah. Now, it seems like a no-brainer. In the wake of Judgment Day, they should they should have a new Avengers. They and really I, should. They could have both. They could. Like, we had Mighty Avengers and New Avengers. They were by the same goddamn guy. For real. Do, do you think they're feeling hamstrung now, maybe by the movies and by synergy, where it's like, why Why would we have a new street-level style Avengers team? We're not doing that in any of the movies or TV right. shows. It's like, yeah, We're not no. just going to do that to do it. We, no, we, we got to have, uh, you know, some crossover appeal. We got to have some multimedia synergy going yeah. on. It's so stupid because New Avengers sells because Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America and Iron Man are on the same team together. That's and the name still means cool. something all these years later. If you did that, people who haven't read comics in years would be like, oh, shit, a new New Avengers. And, like, New Avengers launched in 2005. Yeah, not even that almost long. Almost 20 years old. Yeah. So... There's nostalgia attached to that. To that, For real. I mean, come on. You, you guys nostalgify everything else under the sun, even shit that wasn't even that good the first time, like The Clone. You devoted a whole year to Ben Riley, the clone Spider-Man, because why not? Exactly. You can't devote some time to new Avengers, because why not? Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've, I've had a couple of correspondences with Joe over the years. Um, Which is cool. I, I, uh, I just found one from 2005. Uh because I was very happy with where things were going back then. And I said, uh, I said something. I don't have the message. It just says, from Joe, uh, thanks for the wonderful letter and the gag as well. Pretty damn funny. Hope this finds you, finds you well and keep reading. I oh. think I, I think I pitched a joke. Um, I had an email to him April 14th, 2005. Uh, Spider-Man moves into Avengers Tower. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so Captain America's here. Are they going to have any interaction? He says, I think you see right where we're heading with this. <laughs> um, but then we get into Spider-Man. Here, here's, thanks so much for your thought out letter. One of the biggest problems comics has is with the aging audience. 
While on one hand, it's great to know that we are sophisticated and medium enough to have an older audience, it does point at a lingering problem. Uh, by the way, the Spider-Man mythos has more than just a marriage problem. A marriage problem. Think back on those original great stories. If you haven't read them all by means, please do, because it becomes very obvious to me that we have a huge problem. What happened to Spider-Man's cast? Flash isn't Flash anymore. Gwen is gone. And more importantly, they killed off Harry. So uh. many of the storytelling tools have been taken. It's kind of a shame that's happened over time. I would argue as well that Superman's marriage to Lois Lane was a huge mistake. I think it only served to make Superman seem and feel older. And not only are they married now, they're married on television in a highly popular show once they, again. They were married on TV on a hot, highly popular show 30 years ago. I, I know. I'm just saying, like, isn't it funny how freaking time keeps repeating itself? Like, we, we don't have Harry. We don't have Flash anymore. I'm like, you do now. You brought him back and you killed him like twice. Right. Well, <laughs> it's like, and it turns, well, you can feel these are not corporate feelings this is no, not these the are personal these nerd are personal beliefs which is even funnier too about the flash i'm like yeah and when flash was alive he wasn't a character in spider-man the whole time he was alive again because he's like agent anti-venom and now he's hanging out with conan the barbarian <laughs> exactly for now <laughs> for like a few seconds like does peter even know he's alive like i didn't finish that like venom mini they did, did his friends and family even know he's alive flash oh, I have no idea i don't think they do no probably not uh, but the spider cast has so outgrown himself that like, tell me about matter. it. It doesn't matter. Tour now every writer does their own version of the cast and very few ever cross over again. Honestly, it's beautiful that Randy gets to stick around for as long as he does. It's funny how much Randy just keeps popping up because some, because people want to use him, but don't know what to do with him. So Randy's yeah. just like, I'm here too. And I'm like, Randy, go away. I have a long history, though. I know your history. It's boring, and I don't care. Your dad fights Tombstone a lot, which, ironically, and now you've married Tombstone's daughter. That's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, they're engaged. Don't forget that I'm married. They are. But, uh, yeah, man, the thing that I, the, the takeaway, and even when I was so fired up and angry in 2005, mm -hmm. and I was writing emails to people <laughs> who were editors-in-chief of Marvel Comics, yeah, really. making sure that I'd never work in this town ever again, <laughs> uh, that, uh, like this was a person who like him or hate him felt strongly about the books he was making. Yeah. And I think I'd prefer that over someone who is there to just shake things up or a soulless corporate shill. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean like, yeah, he's done, he, he's, he's done some irreparable things to Marvel whether that's good or bad and entirely dependent on your interpretation, the, the entirety of Marvel comics would not be the same without his influence. There's a quote I often come back to, to a movie that I'm sure no one has seen. It was the chintzy avatar ripoff battle for Tara and the, uh, Oh yeah. The, the Kiefer Sutherland villain in that movie says a line that is better than the whole movie. And I am shocked it is in such a chintzy ripoff. He says, future generations may judge what I have done here today is wrong, but rest assured without me, there will be no future generations to judge me. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that's good. And I feel that applies to Casada very 100%, much. 100%, 100%. That is such a Joe Casada uh, emblem for him. I love it. You can hate my one more day. You can hate my weird nerdy hang us, but I saved this goddamn company and I helped you facilitate stories that will stand the test of time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That That is my legacy. What is yours? Right, right. No, the dude has a legacy. He has uh, an impact and it cannot be ignored. Um, I, I appreciate so much more of what he accomplished and what he gave us than what he took away. Because... At the time, Spider-Man was all I cared about. Yeah. So there was a time when I when 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 one more day happened, I quit comics because well, what's the point? The only reason to read comics is to read about Spider-Man. But over time, learning more and understanding it better, and finding a love for the medium itself, it allowed me to get a, a higher vantage point and look at things from the balcony as opposed to on the bridge. And yeah. in this case, it was like you know it there's 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 a value yeah you gotta Whether watch you... out for those bridges though in the marvel universe people kept getting thrown off them well that's true yeah <laughs> uh kingsport cal says uh do y'all feel like 
comic slash film creators watch your shows and bounce ideas off or around them. Uh, that's a dope blockbuster shirt, Sal. Cool screen, Joel. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, well, thank we, you very much. We, uh, we know some of them do for certain. I, I feel like there's nobody in the film industry who watches what I do. <laughs> that that we know of. No, yeah. no one who would admit to it. Certainly not. Um, but, uh, but in the comic book industry, I know that there are some folk who at the very least check in. You know, yeah. like they'll pop in or they'll they'll check out a few minutes because nobody has two hours to watch. No, my of course crap. not. Yeah, but uh, but I think they do check in. I don't think they. I, I definitely don't think they come for ideas. Although I think there are some wonky synergy going on with a couple of our a pitch sessions. Bit. A little bit. I mean, listen, and you know, these are all unsolicited and they're all free. Yeah, we wouldn't be throwing them out there if we were like closely guarding them. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like. I don't know what the weird situation is legally where um, if you, cause like the reason why companies don't take unsolicited pitches is because if you can prove that they got the idea or that there you is any, sue them. you can sue them, um, which is why they destroy any pitches that are unsolicited. In this case, these are unsolicited pitches, yeah. but they're not pitched to them. You know, so do they watch them? We're, we're like, pitching them to the universe. So, exactly. you know, exactly. I'm a member of the universe. And again, it's like, hey, you know, a good collective subconscious, you know, hey, great minds think alike. You know, there was something in the water at that time. Exactly. And, and you know, some some folk pointed out, you know, that uh, we've seen some mysterious pitches appear somewhere in real life, suspiciously timed around the time we pitched them. How about uh, that? But uh, and listen, like in that case, like if I were plugging away, at pitches for these companies yeah and making this show on the side mm. and i was dumb enough to use those pitches on this show yeah you know that would be devastating absolutely But in this case i don't do that like i'm not actively pitching them so i don't care if they take these yeah and, and also too I, I think i'm a creative enough guy too that you I'll know come up with another idea <laughs> i'll just come up with another idea again i'll will be better if you pay me too <laughs> i would rather that uh but you know i'm not I certainly am not trying to trick or parlay uh, this this job into like a corporate like yeah uh, like consultant type of, of course. gig. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, Joe is going to be missed. I I think if he's smart, he'll he'll jump on whatever the next thing is as quickly as humanly possible. Because probably, and I think he is smart because like. You don't make it 20 plus years in the business without knowing some shit. Well, I mean, you know, we, we, we've already credited him with an understanding of the industry and with, with, with being savvy with, with savviness. Um, Didio, I think took, I think Didio because he was very clearly fired. Um, allegedly, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, uh, we don't know for sure, but the fact that he had no statement for the longest yeah. time that just disappeared and then just reappeared a couple months ago. And DC never issued a statement ever. Uh. Um, which that's got a fucking sting where it's like, dude, love him or hate him. He worked with you for how long? How much bad blood was there? Well, that's just that's just proof to me that DC is just upside down. Well, which like, is even funnier, too, because like when Didio left, like it was the creators. It was the boots on the ground that all kind of like circled around him, almost like they felt yeah. a sense of injustice to talk him up. Here with Casada, uh, this does feel a little bit more amicable because not everyone who ever worked with him was talking about. It. They're like, "Yeah, he left. Yeah, that's it, true. It, it was time to go." Yeah, that's the thing that I, that's why I don't believe any rumors that he was fired. Although I will say that Marvel has been incrementally marching towards being an IP mining colony as yeah. opposed to a like house of ideas or a place mm. where uh, you know where where, where they publish comic books and i think that getting rid of the i mean like look at dc and how they got rid of all the comic book people at the executive level the only yeah. guy they, they still have is jim lee yep and why do they keep jim lee well i imagine that because jim lee still has a drawing arm yeah and uh i don't want to piss off jim lee and have him go over to the other guys and draw really awesome Wolverine stuff. Yeah, we could we could throw him on a cover tomorrow and people would lose their mind. They did. They stole his work from when he used to do the, the trading cards and they didn't ask him for any they didn't ask him at all. 
Yeah, they didn't talk to him at all. Also, still commands a lot of respect, Jim Lee, in the industry. His name still has cachet in a day and age where, as we said, so few creators at the top have names that have any cachet attached to them. It's like, what did you do? Who who, who did you beat? Right. But also, like, Jim, because of that, you know, you look at DC and it's like, DC, there are no comic book guys, like, who know how the industry works. You know, like, everybody they fired were people who know how the industry works it, with the, with, with a few notable exceptions, but the, I'm not talking about like executive, like Marie Javins knows yeah. the industry. Marie Javins is Definitely. a comic book person. She gets it, but there's so few names. And I think DC and Marvel are both heading in that direction where it's like, well, eventually we'll, we'll, we will carve out all the comic book people, those in those insiders. Yeah. And then we will have our, we can run it our way, like a well-oiled machine without, right. uh, without emotion that holds you humanoids back. Right. Just straight into the ground because we don't know how it works or where the keys are. Like I get, I, I just, I, I do see a future where both Marvel and DC are going to be like so hollowed out by their corporate overlords that eventually they will have fired like the janitor who can unlock the front goddamn door. <laughs> and that's the thing they never tell you about hostile takeovers. You need the guy who knows where the towels are. Right. And I genuinely think they're just being like, I don't even know how to print these things. Like, yeah. who do we call to send these pe- these books to? Color like, you need coding. People, yeah, you need people who know how the industry works. And then they'll start hiring you know, like people who you know, know it because they know. heard it, you know? Yeah. yeah. That, that's how we'll get jobs. Yeah, exactly. But if you seem to know more about it, I'll be like, I don't fucking know anything. Uh-oh. But I'll, I'll take this job, though. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll call people that I do know who know the job and be like, listen, I'm going to Oh, God, now. please tell me. Which, I, I, again, like the last time DC started firing people, they called it like a corporate bloodletting. I like to imagine it as like some weird firing line. You're gone, you're gone, you're gone. You know where the towels are, right? You know the Wi-Fi password? Cool, you can stay. You're gone, right. you're gone. Right, no, but I think they got a little too heavy-handed, and I think Marvel's heading in the same direction. Yeah. I... I I think that if, like, if, you know, if they, yeah, I don't know. But I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's not all doom and gloom. I do no, believe there's not. a there's there's a positive future here. If we are Comics careful. have maintained. They will continue to maintain right, in like, some form. I say these things. Like, I say these, like, kind of, like, doom and gloom negativity, like, future prognostications because I want us to be aware of them. Yeah. Move overhead so we can avoid them it's like saying you know it's like seeing a train heading for your car and the driver doesn't see it and just being like eventually they'll see it you know you know how come you didn't warn me about the train it's like well so obvious i figured everybody saw the train yeah sometimes they're doing something else they're thinking about something else but say it out loud make them know what's up and then be like oh okay it's not doom saying it's train saying yeah it's just train it's it's train spotting yeah <laughs> love that movie but uh we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us we're very lucky to have all of you thank you so much yeah. for watching the show don't forget to like this video subscribe to our channel hit the bell for notifications so you know when things are coming out here on the show yesterday i did an um, impromptu live stream uh from my phone it looks like garbage <laughs> and i hate it and i wish it were gone but everybody <laughs> was so nice enough they were like please don't delete it so it's unlisted but it's out there if you want to find it um you were but so you'll sure never you know. delete it. You put will delete later in it. It's called, the video's called, I'll delete this. <laughs> uh, but uh, listen, like, you know, you never know what you're going to get on this channel, but you're, you, you know, you're guaranteed something about comics and with some passionate, uh, at least halfway knowledgeable people talking about them. Yeah. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit Joel on Cape Joel at YouTube. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys next time with an all new episode of the Elseworlds Exchange. Bye bye. <laughs>